Welcome to The Take, where I sit down with actors, filmmakers, and world-class raconteers to talk about story, life in the biz, and what it all means. Today I sit down with Stephen Luke. Stephen Luke is an actor, writer, director, and producer. He has taken his career into his own hands and created films such as War Pigs, which starred himself alongside heavyweights such as Mickey Rorick, Dolph Lundgren, and Luke Goss. He recently directed the film The Great War, which stars Ron Perlman and Billy Zane. Stephen waited for no one to hand him these opportunities. He built them from the ground up. I was very excited to speak with Stephen, and I personally learned a lot from this interview, and I hope you do too. Looking up other World War I films, and I came across uh, your film, The Great War, and I just started then looking through your IMDb list, and I was like, this guy is on a roll. Like, look, <laughs> you have like the, the magic touch with, with war films. And I was just, you know, very impressed and also just like uh, uh, inspired by your, your, your trajectory and your career. Sure. Well, uh, the, thank you. I guess um, I do seem to have a lockdown on the uh, lower budget war genre. <laughs> it's very cool. Yeah, well, thank you. I uh, It's a fun uh, <clears throat> genre that I uh, enjoy. You know, I think every filmmaker kind of has their forte of what they like, like to, I don't want to say watch, but kind of uh, their expertise in, in a certain certain genre. Uh, military and war just happens to be one that I enjoy. And they always say when you're, um, <clears throat> you know, just kind of, you know, getting started making films and, and showcasing your work, you want to try to work in a, um, a medium and a genre that you can put your best foot forward. And war films have always kind of been uh, something that I uh, can showcase the best. Yeah. Well, is in, so your first, uh, just do let's just do a little introduction on you. Sure. sure. Uh, I mean, you can do it better than I can, probably. So, uh, you're from, but uh, your first film. What was your first feature that you uh, that you made? Sure, sure. Uh, well, um, yeah. So, a quick introduction about myself. Uh, my name is uh, Stephen Luke. Uh, my um, that's my stage name that I use. Uh, I guess my, everyone always just calls me Luke. Uh, my full name is Luke Schutzel. I, I produce under my uh, surname uh, company, uh, Schutzel Company Productions. Um, and I, I kind of always go with a, uh, a stage name um, off the bat just because Schutzel is so hard to pronounce and spell in credit. <laughs> so I, uh, I grabbed a, a nickname that I had in college and um, threw it, threw it as, a, as a stage name and all of my... Uh, College guys always find that to be humorous and funny. So um, that is uh, a little bit about myself. I grew up in South Dakota. Uh, I went to school at South Dakota State University. I graduated in 2009 with a history degree. Um, I started making films when I was, you know, just in high school, just a little guy, um, always interested in, in movie making. I had a little core group of, of um, daydreamers with me that uh, enjoyed cinema. And uh, that really uh, started to spark into um, my filmmaking endeavors. Uh, you know, kind of as you grow, you know, and you kind of go to college and all these things, I, I kind of saw the aspect of I enjoyed making movies. Uh, I didn't really want to major in that or go to school in that, not because I, I felt it wasn't useful. I, I just I knew there was lots of other aspects to the film business um, and it is a business. So I felt um, I wanted to try to learn some of those things um the business side of of films as well kind of during school i know i graduated with a history degree but um i minored with uh, uh business and economics okay um and kind of when i got out of college i started a uh small company uh, kind of specializing in historical um uh, costumes kind of uniforms and equipment uh from like the civil war or world war one or world war two and uh, that's kind of grown into being a, uh, a full-fledged company um, that I run. Um, I supply uh, costumes to, you know, lots of lots of films and movies. Um, you know, like one of the latest films, uh, I think that's just coming out, 1917. I've got a few costumes in that. Oh, in that. Awesome. Yeah, and so that's called Man the Line, right? Com. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's my, that's my um, company name, and. Uh, 
so that always kind of keeps me busy uh, and allows me to kind of have um, a great con uh, connection with um, other people that enjoy that have uh, World War Two, World War One war items um, throughout the country. So I kind of utilize my resources and my knowledge of who has what in order to uh, recreate um, those types of films that kind of have always been a, um, a specialty that I've enjoyed and um, yeah. continue to do. Now, you asked what my first feature film was. It was actually a sci-fi uh, action film called uh, Dust of War. Okay. That was my my first kind of uh, launch into a feature film and making making movies. Um, kind and of full time. And starred in that, right? That yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, so initially I, as I kind of have evolved in my filmmaking career, I started off more on the acting and producing side of things. Um, acting to me is always an art. Uh, I find that, you know, kind of the art, artistic um, endeavor of filmmaking. It's fun to be able to bring a character to life, and um, it allows me to kind of just explore different parts of myself, of who I am, and try to discover uh, discover that in a character that might be provided. So that's always kind of been art to me. Um, producing and I guess now directing is kind of more of the business side of things that. Um, I have enjoyed um, as well. Uh, I think you find when you're a um, independent filmmaker or um, just starting off, you discover that you have to wear multiple hats and sometimes in order to get things done. And uh, that's something I've always enjoyed uh, about uh, films is the different um, departments and kind of their jobs. So uh, it's kind of always been up my alley um, just learning so much about those different departments they always help you in any movie that you're making regardless just to know what what those areas entail sure didn't did you start off uh producing and writing so that you could act was that like the was that the original kind of objective or um i think you know obviously that i always encourage actors now that if you really, really want to start getting your feet wet and getting to to act in things that parts that you want to play, I feel like that's a great way to do it, um, especially with today's technology. And I mean, it's just it's always a great way to try to reach out to filmmakers as an actor and be involved in in projects and help coordinate something that you 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 can show off your skills and something that you you know you're good at. And um, if you can write or produce something that allows to showcase, you know, your work, I mean, that's what the, the business is all about. I'm always a big proponent of, of um, you know, having your own destiny and your own uh, drive in your own hands. And um, sometimes the aspect of sitting around, no, I shouldn't say sitting around, but, you know, uh, auditioning or waiting for others to, to give you validation on, on who you are as an actor. Um, I mean, while that's not necessarily a bad process, there's lots, lots of things that actors have to do. Um, I think being proactive as an actor is very important in one's career, especially when they're just getting started. Now, saying that, I didn't necessarily uh, produce or direct so I could act. I kind of got, um, like I said, acting to me is kind of more of an art side of things. Sometimes I have written and directed and I find myself I'll act in them because it's a it might be a character that I'll enjoy but b it's usually cheaper if, if I do it and can be available full-time for those projects sure. uh, and you're like I know I can get down in the like, dirt and be yeah, at the bare minimum I can be I can be there and be yeah. available 24 7 to make this movie work so <laughs> I do it does there's a little bit of um the financial aspect of it comes into play as well when, when I um, am acting in my own stuff. That's very cool. Um, what, 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 what would you say your favorite war film is? Oh, shoot. That's a, uh, well, I mean, right off, top five. I'm sure I've, I've got lots. Uh, number one is probably uh, a movie called Kelly's Heroes starring Clint Eastwood. Okay. Uh, it's kind of an old days from the 70s. It's got Don, Donald Sutherland in it. Um, it's a pretty big classic amongst kind of war genre you know film film people that have seen almost everyone that's ever made um i love the humor in it i love the the mix of action and humor um you know there to me there's always there's two there's two types of war films i mean there's lots of different 
different types, but there's two types. There's ones that are more, you know, like realistic, realistic mm -hmm. war, and then they sh they tell a more realistic story. And then there's ones that just kind of go go on a fun journey, and it's kind of more actiony. And uh, I enjoy both of them. I enjoy I enjoy both kind of sets of films, but um, Kelly's Heroes is definitely it's kind of Kelly's Heroes is like a combination of both. Okay, it's kind of like a dirty, dirty dozen, which it's, yeah, it's very much kind of like a dirty dozen. Which you kind of was, and I know I was reading inspired your film. Uh, was it uh, a War Pigs, right? Sure, kind sure, of, War Pigs. Yeah, yeah, War Pigs kind of has a lot of that dirty dozen Kelly's Heroes type of vibe in it, where it's kind of it's supposed to be fun, a little bit more. I don't want to say family oriented, but like you can kind of as, as a you know like a, as a as a young teen or 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 teen and or young adult and a father or you guys can watch that together and kind of have some fun and enjoy the genre while also learning a little bit about the history of everything so uh, to me like sometimes when you're on the the lower lower budget of what you're able to put on screen because it takes so much resources in order to um make a period piece regardless of what era uh, yeah it's fun to be able to do it to where like okay, I want to try to get as many people to be able to watch this as possible. And, and when you're on a limited budget, that's, you know, sometimes the, the uh, good route to take where, you know, where dads and sons can enjoy a film together. Cool. Well, that's one of the things that really impresses me too, is that you make, and as you said, low budget period piece films, where that is almost like an oxymoron to put those two next to each other. Cause it's, you know, I, I've heard producers say like, you know, I'm not making a period piece film. Because it's it's how tough and challenging it is, you know, how much money has to go into, you know, everything, wardrobe, car, you know, way they talk, everything has to be altered. So that's that's a big challenge. You you enjoy taking on that challenge with each one of your uh, your budgets and your films. Sure, I, I think it's um, you know, history major by trade. So I just love um, bringing to life as many little details of history that I can. Uh, I usually surround myself with a core group of of crew and and even cast that also enjoy the same same um, same aspects uh, of films and just the genre that I do. So I mean, when you kind of are in a team that that really enjoys bringing those parts to life, um, it kind of it where like we're, for others it would be a challenge, like a difficult challenge. For us, it's like a fun challenge in order to have. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of part of the, you know, that when you do lower budget stuff or, or um, you know, you're always kind of limited by the budget. And, and I've always been a big proponent of, you know, hey, what can I, at what budget level, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to try to do my best in order to, you know, portray, especially when it comes to, to military, you know, the, the, the servicemen in their lives as best I can. Yeah. Have you uh, crossed paths with uh, Dale Dye? Uh, I, I know in a roundabout way, I've never, let's see, I'm trying to think if I've ever met, I haven't ever gotten to meet him. I do know of him. I've, I've helped, I know he's working on this uh, World War II movie uh, called No Better Place to Die. Yeah. And I know I've been in contact with some of his producers. Okay. About, um, helping out with that project when they're able to kind of get that a little bit more off the ground. Uh, I love obviously Dale Dye's work. Um, obviously I've seen a number of his films just in terms of his involvement. Uh, and, and as an actor, I think he's, he's fantastic and super yeah. talented. I'm really excited for his uh, no better place to die movie uh, yeah. and the process of getting it made. I think it's a great, I mean, I've, I haven't gotten to read the script, but um I know of the true story, and I think it's definitely one of those movies um, that needs to be told and can easily be brought to life on the big screen and will look fantastic when he's able to uh, put it all together. So, yeah, no, I, I think he's uh, – I would love to meet him one day. Uh, you know, it's kind of one of, uh, on my bucket list. The reason I bring him up is I, I've actually had him on this podcast Oh, awesome. well. Sure. I just see a lot of similarities between you and him and, you know, because he has a company called Warriors Inc. Sure. that he kind of does the military advisement and also an actor and a producer. And so it's, you know, he's a, he's not a bad one to look up to. You know, yeah. I think, and no, it's very true. And with Dale, obviously he um, served our country with, uh, you know, just tremendous uh, honor and, and uh, you know, just all the, all the, 
everything that that entails, um, you know, he deserves. He was he's he's been there. But I think that also, and I've noticed, I've worked with lots of veterans in my films. You know, they're all a very humble, but b they got this like can do attitude yeah. to where it's like, well, I mean, you need me to act, great. You need me to, you know. <laughs> yeah. You need me to grab that light? Sure, we can do that. Like it's, yeah. you know, they, they have a, a, a selfless uh, attitude when it comes to making films. And I, I, that is something that the military instills in them. And they're just a lot of fun um, to work with. And I, you know, Dale just has that. I think that's why he's so talented in so many different aspects of whatever he, he does. Cause it, I mean, it's okay. This is a challenge. I want to try to master it. So let's do it. And once they do that, it's like, great. I always can do this. Now let's move on to the next one. Yeah, next objective. Yeah, next. Objective. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. There's similarities too because there's so much teamwork in the military and the filmmaking. Obviously, a film set is all teamwork and different sure. divisions sure. working together. So sure. I've I've always said making a movie is like is like war. And I I remember I said that to someone and they got very offended by that. And I <laughs> let me explain. I'm not saying yeah, yeah. It's war. No. I just you know like you have to have. You know, you have soldiers, which are kind of like your actors, and you got to have a director, which is kind of like your generals, and you, you know, you got to have logistics, which is so important in combat war. Combat engineers, like, you have like grips. You're, yeah, you, know, you got a budget, and you got limited yeah. time, and you, you're affected by the weather, and hurry up and wait attitude. So you only have kind so of, many, so much ammo to last you the night. Or, you know, it, there is a lot of. This is, they're, yeah, they're similar, but not in like. They're similar just in the fact of how how you know just the amount of moving pieces that it takes in order to to um, make it happen. I guess is maybe the right word to use. I'm sure someone will get angry at me again for saying that. <laughs> As a producer, it's like going into battle and you got troops and yeah, we come out on the other side. Yeah, hopefully, but all a little sleep deprived. Yeah, all a little sleep deprived. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so The Great War, your film, is, uh, is playing at the Arena Center Lounge right now, right? Is yeah. It in Los Angeles? Okay, yeah. very cool. Have, uh, I've, 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 uh, I was just in a movie that was, uh, played there, too. It's a cool theater. Sure, yeah, no, I, I, I got a chance to take a look at it, um, just via online, which, they look, uh, awesome. We're trying to, I know there's a number of our cast and crew that are from the area, you know, kind of had a little get together and uh, to go to the screening. I know I, I went to a couple, you know, I'm kind of based in South Dakota right now. I, a number of our local theaters um, here in in my home state um, played it, uh, which was fantastic. They, you know, they didn't need to or have to do that for me, but, you know, they really support um, local filmmakers. Uh, I, Jeff Logan, I'm sure if he listens to this, he's fantastic. He's always been a big uh, proponent uh, and supporter of the arts and especially my work just going back from dust of war all the way um, till now and he's always willing to kind of give a helping hand when he's able to and um, I think that's you know one of the reasons why you know anyone makes films is to connect and collaborate with others and there's definitely in this business a lot of layers to collaborate and find um, people to help help you along the way yeah that's that's nice to come from a place like a small maybe a somewhat small town where people uh you know support you and really you know can I, i'm sure they see you as like a big hollywood director out in LA. la I, I i don't know about that now you know i've probably done enough of them now where there's like oh that's yeah, just that yeah that's Liz. he makes those films yeah. oh it's on netflix yeah no big deal he does that all the time not that <laughs> Not a big deal, but um, they've gotten, they've grown used to it, I think, a little bit. But it is, it is, um, you know, fun uh, to be able to relay stories um, about films and, and people will ask questions in regards to the industry. And it's fun to be able to talk, talk to them like, not, I don't want to say like not normal people, but like, you know, that they'll be, they, I think sometimes they, they think it's a big glamorous, you know, oh, Hollywood stars and this and that and yeah. limos and and big and paparazzi all over the place. And sometimes you're just like, man, it was, you know, we were out there for 17 hours in the <laughs> rain and it was in the mud. And, and, you know, like you'll have and we had our A-list star and we had to make sure that he, you know, had a coat because his coat that he got, he forgot on the bus or something like that. So, yeah. and, and um, it's fun. That, it's fun that to tell those stories. But I also think it, it just kind of 
brings it full circle that, I mean, it is a business and it is a lot of, you know, nitty gritty work that sometimes has to happen when a film's getting made. Yeah. I mean, you shot, you did a World War One movie and I'm sure that was on all aspects of all levels. You know, I mean, nitty gritty, you know, you got to get dirty. The filmmakers yeah. got to go out in the woods, you know, or say which, but we shot in a national forest without, uh, without permits. Actually. Oh, that, yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> you know, that was what we had to do. So, and it, it was, it was interesting watching. So I watched you, where did you, oh, you filmed, where did you film the great war? So we shot that over in, a, in Minnesota. States. Okay. I call it my little mini Hollywood backlot, where it's a great location. It's got these great pines um, that really simulate Belgium. Okay, uh, yeah, the trees were hard to find. I, I did a lot of scouting to try to find trees that are similar to the to the forest that I was supposed. I was shooting. Mine was supposed to take, take place in Belleau Wood, sure. uh, France. So it was, you know, I found something kind of close, but sure, it's uh, sure. it's tough. Yeah, it's very much, you know, in, in France and Belgium, and I'm not speaking for the whole, whole those, both those countries wholly, so don't hold me to this, but they definitely have where in the Ardennes area, you know, the rows of trees kind of, they, they're in a line, so it's not really like a forest forest where it's kind of random trees all the time. They have gro groves of forests, and uh, it's hard to sim find trees like that and to simulate because it's just such a specific to that region area. Yeah, probably the Midwest is similar in geographically. That's why Minnesota is maybe good. It's, it's definitely, you know, like Minnesota and France, they sit on that same one or yeah. longitude line. So similar type of weather pattern. I mean, it's a little bit, a little bit colder, but yeah, a similar type of vegetation and growth. So they kind of have that going for them. So if you can find, you know, just an area that kind of replicates, you know, uh, you know, the season that and they line up pretty well, in my opinion. Yeah. I wish I had known about your company, uh, Man the Line, before I shot my film, because I had so much difficulty finding American World War One uniforms. Oh, sure. Yeah. For, you know, German, German World War One uniforms you could buy anywhere. Like it was like they sold the full kit like on every site. But the World War One American, I had to actually get from a company in England. Sure, sure. Yeah, I know I know who you're talking about. Yeah, they're tough. They're a tough type of uniform um, to to find mainly and, and mainly cuz you know like in World War II era, you have so much surplus still around for the most part, and so you can still yeah. kind of find a lot of it hanging around. World War 1 is completely gone. For the most part and anything you can find i mean those guys were tiny tiny yeah. tiny guys and i mean they're very small small individuals uh definitely a different time so you know even even like original things that you can find are very not usable in terms of that regard so you, you really it really is a challenge to costume that era you really have to kind of yeah you just gotta dig you gotta dig yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting, the whole size thing. I was reading recently, too, that uh, German soldiers in World War II were a lot shorter, too, because of the malnutrition from after World War One, All, like, you know, from that uh, Depression era. Sure, yeah. No, it's the same. Well, I mean, World War II, the guys were a lot smaller as well. So yeah. uh, definitely definitely a different, different era. Yeah. Uh, in the Great War, you touched on an interesting idea that I'm always – there's something interesting about war genres that do it, but it kind of, you know, how it brings together uh, the the black troops and the white troops, you know, they, they kind of are able to put away their differences that they would have back home and fight together. Um, wh why do you think war is able to kind of do that, allow people to kind of put away their differences for a common goal? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. And I'm sure there's, Man, this is and it's a topic that I do um, explore in my movie. I think there's a number of ways that it could be answered because each, you know, I mean, war is fought by or the, like the generals create it and the privates are the ones that actually fight it. Mm -hmm. So you have a bunch of privates and they all have their their individual, you know, reasons for being there or not being there. And I really, you know, I think. I, to me, what it really comes down to, I mean, when when the bullets start flying and your survival is is 
you know, I mean, your basic survival is pinned on, you know, <clears throat> who's who's to the right and left of you. You just have to you you have to put away any petty differences, any conflict, um, or and anything in order to you know work together and survive. Because if you don't, you know you will die. And chances are you've seen your buddies that can't do that die. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's, it's in that conflict sense of war, you know, it's a lot easier for each one of us to put away any 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 indifferences we have with each other and really come together and work for a common goal, even if it's such a basic thing like survival. Yeah, it's, it's a weirdly beautiful thing that comes out of a horrible uh, event. Sure. In a way. Have you, have you heard of the book Tribe? Oh, Tribe. I have heard of it. It's by Sebastian Younger, I believe is his last name. He was a war correspondent. He okay. did uh, uh, he did a documentary on um, the Kringle Valley in Afghanistan. Okay. But he wrote a book uh, that I recently read talking about how uh, like life and death conflicts uh, bring people together and how people like during the, the uh, bombing of London during World War II, actually like depression went down and like suicide rates went down. Like people were actually happier under a stressful situation because it brings you back to like how we evolved as like a tribe, all having to like protect each other. And I don't know, it's very, it's a very interesting uh, idea. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely, um, you know, truth when it comes to survival um, in the group. I mean, you know, kind of my, probably my um, recent experience would be 9-11. You know, I was only probably freshman in high high school. So I don't know, 12, 13 years old. And it was probably the first time I really started paying attention to politics and just the world outside of my world. And I just saw uh, this giant you know, I saw, I felt, and I, you could feel it. You could feel the country coming together um, because of something that that had been wronged to us. And it was just, it was just a unique thing where you, I mean, and it's very true. You could feel it. I mean, you could just feel it. You could feel closer to, you know, your fellow Americans. Yeah. Um, and I think, and it, it's sad to say that sometimes that tragedy brings that out of people. I feel like that's one of the the giant strengths that um, you know humans have slash you know especially here in America where we might have you know differences in terms of politics or the color of our skin or you know the just whatever it is but in times of real real struggle and 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 you know strife you know we do come together as Americans in order to overcome whatever that is and, and put aside our petty differences. And I think that definitely is even more the case with our men and women who serve in the military because they're under the, you know, they're under the thumb of threat all the time. So they, that you kind of can always look, look to them to lead. Uh, That's, you know, their strength and um, that, you know, they, they do a great job. I, I like they touched on uh, petty differences. I think under like huge stressful circumstances, you realize how petty your differences are. Maybe you know. So it, you know the world is such a big place, and um, you know it's been here before us. You know, as a history major, it's fun to you can like go back in time and see these conflicts or these things that we're going through right now. I mean, you just see them. You can see them in history. And you almost can predict what will happen next, um, just in terms of like you know how trends, right? Yeah. What, what could happen? You can see it, and um, it's just—it really is. It you just you learn from those things. You just conflict can be so so petty, and and um, you know the future can be so can be so unknown but yet known. So it's just a, it's just a history has a way of, 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 you know, really letting us see into our past to predict uh, the future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess that's why we need a, uh, the sci-fi movies are right. We need a alien attack to unite the whole planet together. <laughs> well, that's definitely, um, you know, one way of, 
of getting it done. You know, who knows, you know? Yeah. If there's aliens, not aliens, if they're going to attack or friendly one day, that'll make for a, a great... It'll no longer... One day it might happen, and then it's no longer sci-fi. It'll be history. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Be the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what is so I guess I, I'm I'm curious with your you know we talked we touched on how hard it is to make a, a low budget period film and um it, and that such and you've made several quote unquote low budget war films for a war film the budget what is the uh, I don't know if you want to reveal it but what is the secret or the formula or how how do you go about tackling that challenge. Um, and, of making the film itself or kind of uh, the uh, aspect of filmmaking of the movie? Just, yeah, of going, you know, you have the script and just if you could like a little bit walk us through, you know, what is your, what has been your mode of uh, operation to get these things off the ground and cast and... Sure, sure. Um, okay, so this is a conversation that could take like lots of podcasts. <laughs> I've got like 10, 10 years of experience of a low budget filmmakers. And I think as a filmmaker on a lower budget, or especially when we're first starting off, let's just say, take my background, like from the Midwest, you know, you've probably maybe played at film festivals. You might've won an award or two, maybe have a killer script, all these things. Great, 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 great things. And, um, you know, try to get it to the next level. That's the thing that, you know, everyone always says, like, how do I do that? How, how am I able to accomplish that? And it's, I, it's one of those questions that does not have an easy answer, but it is a doable answer. So let's, and you can apply kind of my steps in order how I get these films made to just about any genre, mm -hmm. but there's some truths to each one of these steps that you just, you're not, you can't avoid. So let's start off with, you know, obviously you have to have a script, uh, preferably have it be a good script. That's always the key. But even saying that, you know, you know, I'm I'm always about story, but you know, sometimes when you're in the low budget filmmaking process, you, you can have like the perfect story, but you're not going to have the budget to make that. So you're going to need to be able to be like, okay, well, how can I, you know, zig and zag around maybe some aspects of your script or story in order to fulfill what your budget needs? That means you're going to have to be a little bit flexible when it comes to you know, your characters, your story, what you can and can't do. So you're just going to have to accept that. And if you can't, then, you know, it's, it'll be, it could potentially be a little bit harder for you in order to get that made if, if, a, if you have to have a certain budget to be able to do that. Um, okay, so you got your script. <clears throat> so I've got my script for like one of these war films. Now, I've been fortunate enough to um, work with several different types of, you know, the, you know, cut different ways you, you can like do like a pre pre-sale type of method where um, distributors will pick up your film, kind of promise X amount of dollars um, in order to make to to pay for the movie before you even shoot, you know, and you raise the money that way and shoot, or you find investors um, that will, you know, obviously invest in your movie, so then you can shoot. Now both those methods, I mean, they can. The, the, I think that's the that's the secret to like any movie. Like how does, how do you find those two? Like, how do you get those two? And that's, and that, that's like, can be its own conversation, like long in-depth conversation. I would love to go in depth detail about them because it's very unique process. It's not an easy thing, but definitely both methods ha are centered in, I feel like this, the, the thing that has to be constant and has to be real. You gotta be able to 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 be trustworthy to to a an investor or be a distributor. Like they gotta be able to trust that whatever you're making, whether that be a war film, sci-fi film, horror film, drama, they gotta trust that what you're saying you're gonna make can actually be done. And when you say things like, "Hey, I got this budget." And we're going to be able to, if I raise this and we're able to shoot this and I can connect this cast member and we can sell it for this and this and this and these territories, like those things have to be real. And both parties, whether it be like a distributor or an investor or maybe some both together, like they have to be able to trust you when you can, when, when you say those things. 
Now, that's kind of a chicken and egg thing, right? So if you've never done it before, how can you be sure it's going to happen? So I'm kind of in this point where while I'm able to do several of these films is because I've done them before. And I can say for certainty, like, hey, if we do this, we do that. If I shoot here, if I shoot there, if I have this cast, if I don't have this cast member, you know, this is what we're going to be able to do. Sure. And they can, they've been, I, and I've got my own numbers to be able to showcase that. And so they can trust me when I say, you know, these things and, and probably just like any business, you know, that's a lot easier for someone to hand over money when they can say like, oh, well, he's done this before. So yeah. I'm going to trust that he knows what he's doing. So that's probably the, you talk about like what the secret is. And that to me is the trust records. Yeah, it is the secret. Like the trust of you expertly knowing what movie you're making and how to A, you know, bring that story, your script to life, but B, also be able to get your investor investment, whether that be with your time, effort, money, back to whoever it needs to go. Mm-hmm. Now that's probably more of the producer in me talking because, um, you know, it's just such a, you know, producers have this way where like it's so much different than any other aspect and any other crew job on a film. I always say producers are the only ones at the end of the day that have to look the district or an investor slash whoever handed over money in the eye. And when they say, Hey, where's my money? Where'd the money go? You are the one that has to look them in the eye and say <laughs> where it went. No yeah. other, like a director can skirt around that issue and actors can skirt around that issue. Yeah, All of the crew members don't need to worry about that. The producers, the ones that are on the line are on the hook. Now that doesn't mean that they should, whatever that, you know, like they should get more or anything like that, but they're the, that's their job. Like that's, you, what does a producer do? Producers look people in the eye and tell them how it is. Cause that's, they're like the ones that have to. So that, so that the secret is that trust issue. And if you can, if you can have that knowledge, if you can arm yourself with the story and the knowledge and the resources in order to create your film, your movie, you know, that is what will propel you forward. And once you can establish yourself um, in, you know, and I'll just take my example with a war genre type of film, it allows you then to go outside of your comfort zone into different areas. I always say like different genres. And when you want to go play in another world as a filmmaker, tell another story, like you have a, a core group of people that in, that trust you in, in, in a new venture because you've already proven yourself in, in, proven yourself to them in in one regards so they're much more willing to kind of like listen to you hear what you have to say you know hey maybe you know let's go after this you know like a sci-fi type of thing let's invest let's do it luke i'm not trying to say just because of me just you know like he he's done a good job in this area now we're going to go down this part and uh, see how we do there so you know there's probably lots of things you know, like I said, there's a giant discussion to have and lots of knowledge that I could spill onto the indie world. But that level of of having a, a, a distributor, you know, an audience member and an investor trust you um, is is the key, I I think, to, um, you know, making making taking that next step in order to be able to make a film. Yeah. So, so Dust of War was your first feature. Sure. Yes. How did you, how did you get the trust for that first one without having the, the track record behind you? Sure. Well, I mean, that was a lot of a. Um, I mean, when you say about trust, we'll talk about Dust of War. We had a lot of you know they, in the in the early in the late '90s. I think there's plenty of like film finance books. I was like, you need to go talk to you know local people. And your local yeah. people, local business owners are, you know, doctors and dentists and stuff. And we took that <laughs> to heart, you know, and, you know, we are active in our community and we, you know, these people had, you know, friends and family members. I mean, lifetime of, of family connections of, of trust. And, you know, they had seen us, you know, me and a couple other, and I'll, I'll say I'm a Andrew, Andrew Keitlinger and Adam Emerson, we were producing together and, and Andrew was the director 
And we had been active in our community, you know, doing film festivals, you know, put on our own film festival, you know, plays and whatnot. So there was a level of like, well, we we might not trust that this movie, like what they're trying to do, but we trust in these guys. Like they 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 could see that we were very passionate and active of what we wanted to do. And we are very fortunate and blessed that we had such tremendous support in that regards. I will always be grateful to everyone, everyone that invested in that movie just because it was such a, you know, it really was, I know they're investing, you know, sci-fi movie, they're investing in, in our capability. So when you say like, so how do you kind of on your first big project, like how, how do I get that done? I mean, that literally might be what it is. You need to go to, you need to go to friends and family yeah. and you know i hate to say like anyone with money that's that's not what i mean but i mean you got to utilize the people that love you that trust you that have seen your work you know that are willing to you know you know scrap together whatever you can in order to do that but you also have to have a project that is able to at least reach that ambition of whatever it is mm-hmm. let's say if you've got if you need a, a movie and you need $20,000, well, then you better make sure that that movie can be finished at, for that amount of money. I mean, that you owe it to those people that will, you know, give you their money in order to sure. see it through. Because this this industry is very like, you know, you can run numbers all day and, and say like, well, if we do this, we do that. Maybe we'll make this amount of money. It's just such a timing thing. I mean, when we did Dust, Dust of War, it was right before you know kind of a where the industry dvds just went okay all of a sudden you know all sales distributors are like oh sci-fi great genre great genre big dvd market you're gonna be just fine with this and that and all of a sudden we shoot the movie it takes us you know two years to put it together because we didn't you know we didn't have as much money post to make it go fast and and in that two years the whole market had changed you know just dvds weren't selling no one was buying dvd or distributors weren't paying for dvds so it's just sometimes those you know in terms of like the industry and and the market's changing that can that can happen but you know we got the movie done and we were successful and and uh, got it distributed and sometimes you know that's the first step and able to being able to showcase you know hey we're going to do something else we're going to do a new thing and you can say listen you know x investor we got distribution on the other one. That's a big step that other people haven't been able to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's great advice. And I've heard something similar that, you know, your first, you know, because it sounds like those people at for your first project were investing in you. They weren't investing. They weren't like thinking, oh, I'm going to get rich. Sure. You know? and, and I think that aspect of investing in you, that especially in the lower budget sense of like small budgets, you know, working under a million, two, three, even $4 million, like, they're still going to be investing in you because sure. it's going to be your, it's going to be like, well, I trust what you're doing. Like I trust in you because, you know, not, not that investors are smart. Like, you know, they, they know like dollars and cents. And sometimes it's like, listen, a movie's either going to hit a home run or we're going to lose our shirt. And if you can get an investor to a point where it's like, Hey, we're going to get, you know, before we start rolling, we're going to get 70% of the budget back. So, you know, let's take a chance. And they're willing to say, well, that's pretty good, pretty good odds. So let's try. So, I mean, they're going to invest in you. Yeah. Invest in you. So when you get into the bigger budgets like those, then, you know, that's its own like different world where it really is. It's all about dollars and which is nothing wrong with that. Just yeah. Studio or then you're studio studio world. Studio world, different world. Um, so, what is next? I saw you have uh, upcoming. I saw. I looked on. You said Battle Castle. That's like the castle of. Is what the Battle of Eater? Is that what it's called? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm working on a film called Battle. I mean, I got a couple. So Battle Castle is one. Um, yep, it's uh, kind of with tanks and and uh, I'm working on one called Come Out Fighting. Um, that follows the uh, 761st Tank Battalion, African American unit. As they kind of enter their first stages of war. Okay, cool. Kind of like my next layer of budget level with you know a few bigger names, a little bit bigger budget. Um, kind of you know when you kind of do 
when you do uh when you kind of specialize in a genre whether that be horror or 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 sci-fi you know it's fun to kind of get to play in different um, budget levels and i've always felt like while like a budget level you know you're not like oh, i'm running a bunch of tests at this budget level you're like you don't want to just run tests but you know if you can do something at a lower budget that gives you more confidence when you take the you know kind of as you ask for more budget in order to make things you can have the confidence to be able to say listen I've shot with plenty of tanks and I've had no money to do it and they look pretty damn good. So how about we shoot with more tanks that are more of a budget and, you know, it's going to be fantastic. And, you know, uh, investor or distributor can like piece that together. Be like, okay, great. Well, geez. Yeah. They had no money and look what they did with that. So we'll give them a little bit more money to make, you know, bring in more tanks. Cause let me tell you one thing. Tanks are not cheap. I, I imagine not. Big, big and and cheap in terms of like transport too, expensive, but they are they are their own machines. They're I mean they're they are you know we're made for war, so they don't you want to you go slow with them, you you know you you treat them with utmost respect so no one gets hurt. And yeah, that can be time and time is money, so you know, tanks are their own beast. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like what you're saying is that when you go to a higher budget, you know exactly how the new money is going to be allocated. You're not just saying, you know, throwing a number out there. You're going, we made the movie for $3 million. If we have an extra million, here's what we could do to make the film better. Kind of, it's just, is that kind of what, what you're saying a little bit? Yeah, I think um, that's, yes, yes. I think uh, knowing where where you can use more budget, and that's why when you, like, shoot on, you know, lower budget stuff or, or shoestring stuff or whatever budget you're working on, like, really really get good at it or, and pay attention to it. Like if you can make a horror movie in, you know, eight days, a full feature, and you know, maybe there's aspects of it that will look low budget or be low budget, but you can find some real, you know, accomplishments. And even if it's just like things like the costumes looked awesome and you only shot it in eight days. Well, mm -hmm. that's a huge deal. I mean, as a low, you know, sometimes critics or people that watch your work they won't compliment that because they just assume you have all the money in the world and that it all should look that way and yeah. they won't even compliment or they won't even say anything about your costumes because they just assume that your horror costumes should be great but if you're you know if you have bait and as you as someone that's an expert in that genre know that you know hey these were these are really good and we didn't have much money and guess what we could do if we had more money more shooting days or whatever so just let that all be a learning experience and, you know, just really pay attention to that. Get really good at it because one day when you get the call to have, I don't want to say like a real budget, but when you're blessed to have more money to be able to do what you love, you'll feel very confident in knowing that you're able to pull it off because you've done it before. And more money just allows you to be able to do more of what you love and, I think that's at the heart of every movie that's that that's success in itself. And that can lead to the success of the film, both artistically and financially. Yeah. Well, that's that's a, almost a great way to end on, even though I don't want to end the conversation. Uh, is sure, there any I'm sure you could tell. I could just go on and on and on about uh, I mean, independent filmmaking. Like I said, you know, I'm still just like looking over your work. And I'm just... Uh, uh, inspired by it, honestly, just because what you've been able to do and, you know, as, as an actor who's taken their career into their own hands, really. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, a lot of people preach that, but you've really uh, done it. And so it's very, very cool to, to yeah. look at. Well, yeah. yeah. It's, you know, I'm always a big proponent of, and I'm like this, and this is can be applied to life. You know, don't stop. Don't give up. Don't be idle go forward, live life. You know, films and movies are all about stories about people living their lives, you know, and, and, and obviously there's more to it, but these are people interacting with other people living their life and every life experience that you can have positive, negative, good or bad, you know, do it. Don't, don't wait, just go forward. You never know like who you're going to meet with or who you're going to see or, or what interaction that's going to help lead to, you know, something to help propel you further. And if you stay idle and, and wait and wait for someone else to give you confirmation of what you already know inside of who you are, then 
yes, that can lead to success. But will you be truly living? Will you be truly living your life to the fullest? And I think that's just such um, it doesn't make it easy, you know, when you like, I wish I had this and I wish I had that. And, you know, going to like even going to get groceries, like how does that how does that, you know, advance my filmmaking career? Yeah. And maybe in the little smallest instance, it's not. But it's all these little things that can lead to a big thing. And it's baby steps forward and baby steps can lead to big, big steps. And I'll, I even say like stepping backwards sometimes, I mean, isn't bad. Even, you know, even when you start running, you take a few step backs, few step backs in order to sprint forward. So like sure. all these things is, you know, and it's, it's about, you know, always going forward, even, even if, even if sometimes we feel like it's life is stationary. So, you know, that's, that's probably my biggest, biggest advice for, you know, younger filmmakers, you know, individuals that have like a script or a story, like, how can we get this? How can we tell it? Go out and tell it, go out and do it. Learn from the experiences, fall, you know, fail, succeed, all those things. Those, they're all great learning for the next thing to keep going forward and don't be discouraged. Because you will have moments where you're very discouraged and you're very like, nothing's happening. And just know you're not alone. Lots of others are going through those things. And let that be a sense of um, camaraderie, that you're not alone in this experience called life. And we'll circle it back around to that's how soldiers can put aside their differences and come to a common goal. Because all of a sudden in a warlike experience, Every, every, all, everything just blurs out and what's going forward and survival and working with the man to your left or right propels you forward to the end goal, which is obviously, you know, making it through another hour and another minute, another day. And, you know, so that's how life is. Life is that way. And you don't necessarily need to have a war in order to live that way. So there's my, there's my big life encouragement for, for everyone. I love it. Let's end on that. That's perfect. Perfect. Thank you for listening to The Take. If you enjoyed this interview, please subscribe and give a great review on iTunes. Thanks so much.